Section six of Vice Versa by F. Anstey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Vice Versa by F. Anstey. Chapter five. Disgrace. Well had the boding tremblers learnt to trace the day's disasters in his morning's face. Sleep came at last and brought too brief forgetfulness. It was not till the dull grey light of morning was glimmering through the blinds that Mr. Bultitude awoke to his troubles. The room was bitterly cold, and he remained shivering in bed for some time, trying to realise and prepare for his altered condition. He was the only one awake. Now and then, from one of the beds around, a boy would be heard talking in his sleep, or laughing with holiday glee at the drolleries, possibly, of some pantomime performed for his amusement in the Theatre Royal. Dreamland, a theatre mercifully open to all boys, free of charge, long after the holidays have come to an end. The only drawbacks being a certain want of definiteness in the plot and scenery, and a liability to premature termination of the vaguely splendid performance. Once Kiffin, the new boy, awoke with a start and a heavy sigh, but he cried himself to sleep again almost immediately. Mr. Bultitude could bear being inactive no longer. He thought, if he got up, he might perhaps see his misfortunes shrink into a more bearable, less hopeless scale, and besides, he judged it prudent, for many reasons, to finish his toilet before the sleepers began theirs. Very stealthily, dreading to rouse anyone and attract attention in the form of slippers, he broke the clinking crust of ice in one of the basins, and, shuddering from the shock, bathed face and hands in the biting water. He parted his hair, which from natural causes he had been unable to accomplish for some years, and now found an awkwardness in accomplishing it neatly, and then stole down the dark creaking staircase just as the butler in the hall began to swing the big railway bell, which was to din stern reality into the sleepy ears above. In the schoolroom a yawning maid had just lighted the fire, from which turbid yellow clouds of sulphurous smoke were pouring into the room, making it necessary to open the windows and lower a temperature that was far from high ordinarily. Paul stood shaking by the mantelpiece in a very bad temper for some minutes. If the doctor had come in then, he might have been spurred by indignation to utter his woes and even claim and obtain his freedom. But that was not to be. The door did open presently, however, and a little girl appeared, a very charming little maiden indeed, in a neat dark costume, relieved by a fresh white pinafore. She had deep grey eyes and glossy brown hair, falling over her forehead and down her back in soft, straight masses. Her face was oval rather than round and slightly serious, though her smile was pretty and gay. 
she ran towards mr bultitude with a glad little cry stretching out her hands dick dear dick she said i am so glad i thought you'd be down early as you used to be i wanted to sit up last night so very much but mamma wouldn't let me some might have been very glad to be welcomed in this way even victoriously as for boys it must have been a very bad school indeed which dulky grimstone could not have robbed of much of its terrors mr bultitude however as has been explained did not appreciate children being a family man himself when one sees their petty squabbles and jealousies hears their cruel din and pays for their monkeyish mischief perhaps the daintiest children seem but an earthly order of cherubim he was only annoyed and embarrassed by the interruption though he endured it ah he said with condescension and so you're dr grimstone's little girl are you how do you do my dear dulcie stopped and looked at him with drawn eyebrows and her soft mouth quivering what makes you talk like that she asked how ought i to talk said paul you didn't talk like that before said dulcie plaintively i i thought perhaps you'd be glad to see me you were once and-and when you went away last you asked me to-to kiss you and i did and i wish i hadn't and you gave me a ginger lozenge with your name written on it in lead pencil and i gave you a cough lozenge with mine and you said it was to show that you were my sweetheart and i was yours but i suppose you've eaten the one i gave you this is dreadful thought mr bultitude what shall i do now the child evidently takes me for that little scoundrel dick tut tut he said aloud little girls like you are too young for such nonsense you ought to be thinking about-about your dolls and uh, your needlework not sweethearts you say that now cried dulcie indignantly you know i'm not a little girl and i've left off playing with dolls almost oh dick don't be unkind you haven't changed your mind have you no said paul dismally i've changed my body but there you wouldn't understand run away and play somewhere like a good little girl i know what it is said dulcie you've been out to parties or somewhere and seen some horrid girl you like better than me this is absurd you know said mr bultitude you can't think how absurd it is now you'll be a very foolish little girl if you cry you're making a mistake i'm not the dick you used to know i know you're not sobbed dulcie but oh dick you will be promise me you will be and 
and to paul's horror and alarm she put her arms round his neck and cried piteously on his shoulder good gracious he cried let me go don't do that for heaven's sake i can hear someone coming if it's your father it will ruin me but it was too late over her head he saw tipping enter the room and stand glaring at them menacingly dolky saw him too and sprang away to the window where she tried to dry her eyes unperceived and then ran past him with a hurried good morning and escaped leaving paul alone with the formidable tipping there was an awkward silence at first which tipping broke by saying what have you been saying to make her cry eh what's that to you sir said paul trying to keep his voice firm why it's just this to me said tipping that i've been spoons on dolky myself ever since i came and she never would have a word to say to me i never could think why and now it turns out to be you what do you mean by cutting me out like this i heard her call you dear dick don't be an ass sir said paul angrily now none of your cheek you know said tipping edging up against him with a dangerous inclination first to jostle aggressively and then maul his unconscious rival you just mind what i say i'm not going to have dolky bothered by a young beggar in the second form she deserves something better than that anyway and i tell you that if i once catch you talking to her in the way you did just now or if i hear of her favouring you more than any other fellows i'll give you the juiciest licking you ever had in your life so look out at this point the other boys began to straggle down and cluster round the fire and paul withdrew from the aggrieved tipping and looked drearily out of the window on the hard road and bare black trees outside i must tell the doctor how i'm situated he thought and yet directly i open my mouth he threatens to flog me if i stay here that little girl will be always trying to speak to me and i shall be thrashed by the red-haired boy if i could only manage to speak out after breakfast it was not without satisfaction that he remembered that he paid extra for meat for breakfast in his son's school bills for he was beginning to look forward to meal-time with the natural desire of a young and healthy frame for nourishment at eight o'clock the doctor came in and announced breakfast leading the way himself to what was known in the school as the dining hall it scarcely deserved so high-sounding a name perhaps being a long low room on the basement floor with a big fireplace fitted with taps and basting ovens which provoked the suspicion that it had begun existence as a back kitchen the doctor took his seat alone at a cross table forming the top of one of the two rows of tables set with white cups and saucers and plates well heaped with the square pieces of bread and butter while mrs grimstone dolky and tom sat at the foot of the same row 
behind two ugly urns of dull block tin but when mr bultitude more hungry than he had felt for years found his place at one of the tables he was disgusted to find upon his plate not as he had confidently expected a couple of plump poached eggs with their appetising contrast of ruddy gold and silvery white not a crisp and crackling sausage or a mottled omelette not even the homely but luscious rasher but a brace of chill forbidding sardines lying grim and headless in bilious green oil it was a fish he positively loathed nor could it be reasonably expected that the confidence necessary for a declaration was to be forgotten by so sepulchral a form of nutriment he roused himself however to swallow them together with some of the thin and tin-flavoured coffee but the meal as a whole was so different from the plentiful well-cooked breakfasts he had sat down before for years as a matter of course that it made him feel extremely unwell no talking was allowed during the meal the doctor now and then looked up from his dish of kidneys on toast at which envious glances were occasionally cast to address a casual remark to his wife across the long row of plates and cups but as a rule the dull champing sound of boys solemnly and steadily munching was all that broke the silence towards the end when the plates had been generally cleared and the boys sat staring with the stolidity of replenishing at one another across the tables the junior housemaster mr tinkler made his appearance he had lately left a small and little-known college at cambridge where he had contrived contrary to expectation to evade the uncoveted wooden spoon by two places which enabled the doctor to announce himself as being assisted by a graduate of the university of cambridge who has taken honours in the mathematical triplus for the rest he was a small insignificant-looking person who evidently disliked the notice his late appearance drew upon himself mr tinkler said the doctor in his most awful voice if it were my custom to rebuke my assistance before the school which it is not i should be forced to remind you that this tardiness in rising is a bad beginning of the day's work and sets a bad example to those under your authority mr tinkler made no articulate reply but sat down with a crushed expression and set himself to devour bread and butter with an energy which he hoped would divert attention from his blushes and almost immediately the doctor looked at his watch and said now boys you have half an hour for chevy make the most of it when you come in i shall have something to say to you all don't rise mr tinkler unless you have quite finished mr tinkler preferred leaving his breakfast to continue it under the trying ordeal of his principal's inspection so hastily murmuring that he had made an excellent breakfast which he had not he followed the others who clattered upstairs to put on their boots and go out into the playground it was noticeable that they did so without much of the enthusiasm 
which might be looked for from boys dismissed to their sports but the fact was that this particular sport chevy commonly known as prisoner's base was by no means a popular amusement being of a somewhat monotonous nature and calling for no special skill on the part of the performers besides this moreover it had the additional disadvantage which would have been fatal to a far more fascinating diversion of being in a great measure compulsory football and cricket were of course reserved for half holidays and played in a neighbouring field rented by the doctor and in the playground he restricted them to chevy which he considered rightly enough both gave them abundant exercise and kept them out of mischief accordingly if any adventurous spirit started a rival game it was usually abandoned sooner or later in deference to suggestions from headquarters which were not intended to be disregarded this though undoubtedly well meant did not serve to stimulate their affection for the game an excellent one in moderation but which if played by special desire two or three hours a day for weeks in succession is apt to lose its freshness and pall upon the youthful mind it was a bright morning there had been a hard frost during the night and the ground was hard sparkling with rime and ringing to the foot the air was keen and invigorating and the bare black branches of the trees were outlined clear and sharp against the pale pure blue of the morning sky just the weather for a long day's skating over the dark green glassy ice or a bracing tramp on country roads into cheery red-roofed market towns but now it had lost all power to charm it was almost depressing by the contrast between the boundless liberty suggested and the dull reality of a round of uninteresting work which was all it heralded so they lounged listlessly about gravitating finally towards the end of the playground where a deep furrow marked the line of the base there was no attempt to play they stood gossiping in knots grumbling and stamping their feet to keep warm by and by the day boarders began to drop in one by one several of them from a want of tact in adapting themselves to the general tone earning decided unpopularity at once by a cheerful briskness and an undisguised satisfaction at having something definite to do once more if mr tinkler who had joined one of the groups had not partially distinguished himself at breakfast he made ample amends now and by the grandeur and manliness of his conversation succeeded in producing a decided impression upon some of the smaller boys the bore of a place like this you know he was saying with magnificent disdain is that a fellow can't have his pipe of a morning i've been used to it and so of course i miss it if i chose to insist on it grimstone couldn't say anything but with a lot of young fellows like you you see it wouldn't look well it could hardly have looked worse than little mr tinkler himself would have done if he had ventured upon more than the mildest of cigarettes for he was a poor but pertinacious smoker 
and his love for the weed was chastened by wholesome fear there however he was in no danger of betraying this and indeed it would have been injudicious to admit it talking of smoking he went on with a soft chuckle as at recollections of unspeakable devilry did i ever tell you chaps of a tremendous scrape i very nearly got into up at the versity well you must know there's a foolish rule there against smoking in the streets not that that made any difference to some of us well one night about nine i was strolling down petty curie with two other men smoking bosher and pothouse and peebles of cats both pretty well known up there for general rowdiness you know great pals of mine and just as we turned the corner who should we see coming straight down on us but a proctor with his bulldogs not dogs you know but the strongest gyps in college bosher said let's cut it and he and peebles bolted they were neither of them funks of course but they lost their heads i went calmly on smoking my cigar as if nothing was the matter that put the proctor in a bait i can tell you he came fuming up to me what do you mean sir says he quite pale with anger he was a great bull-headed fellow one of the strongest dons of his year that's why they made him a proctor what do you mean by breaking the university statutes in this way it is a fine evening said i i determined to keep cool do you mean to insult me said he no old boy said i i don't have a cigar he couldn't stand that so he called up his bulldogs i give him in charge he screamed out i'll have him sent down i'll send you down first said i and i just gave him a push i never meant to hurt the fellow and over he went i rolled over a bulldog to keep him company and as the other fellow didn't want any more and stood aside to let me pass i finished my stroll and my cigar was the proctor hurt sir inquired a small boy with great respect more frightened than hurt i always said said mr tinkler lightly but somehow he never would proctize any more it spoilt his nerve he was a good deal chafed about it but of course no one ever knew i'd had anything to do with it with such tales of homeric exploit did mr tinkler inculcate a spirit of discipline and respect for authority but although he had indeed once encountered a proctor and at night he did himself great injustice by this version of the proceedings which were as a matter of fact of a most peaceable and law-abiding character and though followed by a pecuniary transaction the next day in which six and eightpence changed pockets the proctors continued their duties much as before while mr tinkler's feelings towards them which had ever been reverential in the extreme were if anything intensified by the experience upon this incident however he had gradually embroidered the above exciting episode 
until he grew to believe at intervals that he really had been a devil of a fellow in his time which to do him justice was far from the case he might have gone on still further to calumniate himself and excite general envy and admiration thereby if at that moment dr grimstone had not happened to appear at the head of the cast-iron staircase that led down into the playground whereupon mr tinkler affected to be intensely interested in the game which as a kind of compliment to the principal about this time was galvanized into a sort of vigour but the doctor after frowning gloomily down upon them for a minute or so suddenly called all in he had several ways of saying this sometimes he would do so in a half regretful tone as one himself obeying the call of duty sometimes he would appear for some minutes a benignant spectre upon the balcony and summon them to work at length with a leonate pity for he was by no means a hard-hearted man but at other times he would step sharply and suddenly out and shout the word of command with a grim and ominous expression on these last occasions the school generally prepared itself for a rather formidable quarter of an hour this was the case now and as a further portent mr blinkhorn was observed to come down and after a few words with mr tinkler withdrew with him through the school gate he sent them out for a walk said siggers who was skilled in omens it's a row rows at christian house although periodical and therefore things to be forearmed against in some degree were serious matters dr grimstone was a quick-tempered man with a copious flow of words and a taste for indulging it he was also strongly prejudiced against many breaches of discipline which others might have considered trifling and whenever he had discovered any such breach he could not rest until by all the means in his power he had ascertained exactly how many were implicated in the offence and to what extent his usual method of doing this was to summon the school formally together and deliver an elaborate harangue during which he worked himself by degrees into such a state of indignation that his hearers were most of them terrified out of their senses and very often conscience-stricken offenders would give themselves up as hopelessly detected and reveal transgressions altogether unsuspected by him much as a net brings up fish of all degrees of merit or as a heavy firing will raise drowned copses to the surface paul naturally knew nothing of this peculiarity he had kept himself as usual apart from the others and was now trying to compel himself to brave the terrors of an avowal at the first opportunity he followed the others up the steps with an uneasy wonder whether after all he would not find himself ignominiously sent down to learn lessons the boys filed into the schoolroom in solemn silence and took their seats at the desks and along the brown tables the doctor was there before them standing up with one elbow resting upon a reading-stand 
and with a suggestion of coming thunder in his look and attitude that combined with the oppressive silence made some of the boys feel positively ill presently he began he said that since they had come together again he had made a discovery concerning one among them which astounding as it was to him and painful as he felt it to be compelled to make it known concerned them all to be aware of mr bultitude could scarcely believe his ears his secret was discovered then the injury done him by dick about to be repaired and open restitution and apology offered to him it was not perhaps precisely delicate on the doctor's part to make so public an affair of it but so long as it ended well he could afford to overlook that so he settled himself comfortably on a form and with his back against a desk and his legs crossed his expression indicating plainly that he knew what was coming and on the whole approved of it ever since i have devoted myself to the cause of tuition continued the doctor i have made it my object to provide boys under my roof with fare so abundant and so palatable that they should have no excuse for obtaining extraneous luxuries i have presided myself at their meals i have superintended their very sports with a fatherly eye here he paused and fixed one or two of those nearest him with the fatherly eye in such a manner that they writhed with confusion he's wandering from the point thought paul a little puzzled i have done all this on one understanding that the robustness of your constitutions acquired by the plain simple but abundant regimen of my table shall not be tampered with by the indulgence in any of the pampering products of confectionery they are absolutely and unconditionally prohibited as every boy who hears me now knows perfectly well and yet here he began gradually to relax his self-restraint and lash himself into a frenzy of indignation what do i find there are some natures so essentially base so incapable of being affected by kindness so dead to honour and generosity that they will not scruple to conspire or set themselves individually to escape and baffle the wise precautions undertaken for their benefit i will not name the dastards at present they themselves can look into their hearts and see their guilt reflected there at this every boy beginning to see the tendency of his denunciations tried hard to assume an air of conscious innocence and grieved interest the majority achieving conspicuous failure i do not like to think said dr grimstone that the evil has wider existence than i yet know of 
it may be so nothing will surprise me now there may be some before me trembling with the consciousness of secret guilt if so let those boys make the only reparation in their power and give themselves up in an honourable and straightforward manner to this invitation which indeed resembled that of the duck destroying mrs bond no one made any response they had grown too wary and now preferred to play a waiting game then let the being for i will not call him boy who is known to me step forth and confess his fault publicly and sue for pardon thundered the doctor now warmed to his theme but the being declined from a feeling of modesty and a faint hope that somebody else might after all be the person aimed at then i name him stormed dr grimstone cornelius coggs stand up coggs half rose in a limp manner whispering feebly me sir oh please sir no not me sir yes you sir and let your companions regard you with the contempt and abhorrence you so richly merit here needless to say the whole school glared at poor coggs with as much virtuous indignation as they could summon up at such a short notice for contempt is very infectious when communicated from high quarters so coggs said the doctor with a slow and withering scorn so you thought to defy me to smuggle compressed illness and concentrated unhealthiness into this school with impunity you flattered yourself that after i had once confiscated your contraband poisons you would hear no more of it you deceived yourself sir i tell you this once for all that i will not allow you to contaminate your innocent schoolmates with your gifts of surreptitious sweetmeats they shall not be perverted with your pernicious peppermint sir you shall not deprave them by jujus or envenerate them with turkish delight i will not expose myself or them to the inroads of disease invited here by a hypocritical inmate of my walls the traitor shall have his reward all of which simply meant that the doctor having once had a small boy taken seriously ill from the effects of overeating himself was naturally anxious to avoid such an inconvenience for the future thanks to the fearless honesty of a youth continued the doctor who in an eccentric manner certainly but with i do not doubt the best of motives opened my eyes to the fell evil i am enabled to cope with it at its birth richard bultitude 
i take this occasion of publicly thanking and commending you your conduct was noble mr bultitude was too angry and disappointed to speak he had thought his path was going to be made smooth and now all this ridiculous fuss was being made about a few peppermint lozenges he wished he had never mentioned them it was not the last time he breathed that wish as for you cogs said the doctor suddenly producing a lithe brown cane i shall make a public example of you cogs stared idiotically and protested but after a short and painful scene was sent off up to his bedroom yelping like a kicked puppy one word more said the doctor now almost calm again i know that you all think with me in your horror of the treachery i have just exposed i know that you would scorn to participate in it a thrill and murmur expressive of intense horror and scorn went round the benches you are anxious to prove that you do so beyond a doubt again a murmur of assent i give you all that opportunity i have implicit trust and confidence in you let every boarder go down into the box-room and fetch up his play-box just as it is and open it here before me there was a general fall of jaws at this very unexpected conclusion but contriving to overcome their dismay they went outside and down through the playground into the box-room paul amongst the rest and amidst universal confusion everyone opened his box and with a consideration especially laudable in heedless boyhood thoughtfully and carefully removed from it all such dainties as might be calculated to shock or pain their preceptor mr bultitude found a key labelled play-box and began to open a box which bore dick's initials cut upon the lid without any apprehensions however for he had given too strict orders to his daughter to fear that any luxuries would be concealed there but no sooner had he raised the lid than he staggered back with disgust it was crammed with cakes butterscotch hard-bake pots of jam and even a bottle of ginger wine enough to compromise a champion he set himself to pitch them all out as soon as possible with feverish haste but tipping was too quick for him hallo he cried oh i say you fellows come here just look at this here's this impudent young beggar who sneaked of poor little cogs for sucking jujus and very nearly got us all into a jolly good row with his own box full all the time butterscotch if you please and jam and ginger wine you'll just put em all back again will you 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 young humbug do you use those words to me sir said paul angrily for he did not like to be called a humbug yes sir please sir jeered tipping i did venture to take such a liberty sir then it was like your infernal impudence growled paul 
you be kind enough to leave my affairs alone upon my word what boys are coming to nowadays are you going to put that tuck back said tipping impatiently no sir i'm not don't interfere what you're not expected to understand well if you won't said tipping easily i suppose we must middlecombe kindly knock him down and sit on his head while i fill his play-box for him this was neatly and quickly done middlecombe tripped mr bultitude up and sat firmly on him while tipping carefully replaced the good things in dick's box after which he locked it and courteously returned the key as the box is heavy he said with a wicked wink i'll carry it up for you myself which he did paul following more dead than alive and too shaken even to expostulate bultitude's box was rather too heavy for him sir he explained as he came in and dr grimstone who had quite recovered his equanimity smiled indulgently and remarked that he liked to see the strong assisting the weak all the boxes had by this time been brought up and were ranged upon the tables while the doctor went round making an almost formal inspection like a custom-house officer searching compatriots and becoming milder and milder as box after box opened to reveal a fair and innocent interior paul's turn was coming very near and his heart seemed to shrivel like a burst bladder he fumbled with his key and tried hard to lose it it was terrible to have oneself to apply the match which is to blow one to the winds if if the idea was almost too horrible but if he a blameless and respectable city merchant were actually to find himself served like the miserable cogs at last the doctor actually stood by him well my boy he said not unkindly i'm not afraid of anything wrong here at any rate mr bultitude who had the best reasons for not sharing his confidence made some inarticulate sounds and pretended to have a difficulty in turning the key eh come open the box said the doctor with an altered manner what are you fumbling at it for in this this highly suspicious manner i'll open it myself he took the key and opened the lid when the cakes and wine stood revealed in all their damning profusion the doctor stepped back dramatically hard bake he gasped wine pots of strawberry jam oh bultitude this is a revelation indeed so i have nourished one more viper in my bosom have i a crawling reptile which curries favour by denouncing the very crime it conceals in its play-box bultitude i was not prepared for such a duplicity as this i i swear i never put them in protested the unhappy paul i 
i never touch such things they would bring on my gout in half an hour it's ridiculous to punish me i never knew they were there then why were you so anxious to avoid opening the box rejoined the doctor no sir you're too ingenious your guilt is clear go to your dormitory and wait there till i come to you paul went upstairs feeling utterly abandoned and helpless though a word as to his real character might have saved him he could not have said it and worse still knew now that he could not i shall be caned he told himself and the thought nearly drove him mad i know i shall be caned what on earth shall i do he opened the door of his bedroom coggs was rocking and moaning on his bed in one corner of the room but looked up with red furious eyes as paul came in what do you want up here he said savagely go away can't you i wish i could go away said paul dolefully but i'm um i'm sent up here too he explained with some natural embarrassment what cried coggs slipping off his bed and staring wildly you don't mean to say you're going to catch it too i've enough reason to fear said mr bultitude stiffly that i am indeed going to catch it as you call it hurray shouted coggs hysterically i don't care now and i'll have some revenge on my own account as well i don't mind an extra licking and you're in for one as it is will you stand up to me or not i don't understand you said paul don't come so near keep off you young demon will you he cried presently as coggs exasperated by all his wrongs was rushing at him with an evidently hostile intent there don't be annoyed my good boy he pleaded catching up a chair as a bulwark it was a misunderstanding i wish you no harm there my dear young friend the dear young friend was grappling with him and attempting to wrench the chair away by brute force when i get at you he said his hot breath hissing through the chair rungs i'll jolly well teach you to sneak of me murder gasped paul feeling his hold on the chair relaxing unless help comes this young fiend will have my blood they were revolving slowly round the chair watching each other's eyes like gladiators when paul noticed a sudden blankness and fixity in his antagonist's expression and looking round saw dr grimstone's awful form framed in the doorway and gave himself up for lost end of chapter five